that which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, coming to you from our studios in the beautiful near Southside Historic District of downtown Grand Forks. And today, I am riding the tandem bicycle by myself. Uh, Father Leffer, my usual co-host, is uh, busy uh, preparing for a women's retreat, part of a series that he is doing within our diocese over the next year. So he is unable to join us today, but I am very grateful to be with you today. And we have some wonderful interviews and topics that we'll be diving into. Thank you so much for including us in your routine this morning and taking this time. Um, Happy season of Lent to you. Yesterday we kicked it off with Ash Wednesday and we have the opportunity to conform our hearts more and more closely to the Sacred Heart of Christ. Uh, Before we begin our first conversation, there is an update that I've been asked to share as uh, our hearts are with uh, our friends in the listening area in West River, South Dakota, the Diocese of Rapid City. Uh, Earlier this week, Bishop Peter Mewich released a statement, which I want to read for you, um, that uh, he says, uh, I write to let you know that I have reached another step along my journey with cancer. Despite the best efforts of my health care team, all treatment options have been exhausted, and there is no more that can be done without causing greater harm to my system. Therefore, I have accepted the recommendation of my doctors and will move to hospice as soon as a space is prepared for me. Thanks to all of you for your many prayers, which have sustained me and strengthened me through the many trials along the way. I am grateful. Through the coming weeks or months, as God wills, I will continue to handle as much of the administrative work of the diocese as I can manage with the assistance of my capable vicars and chancellor. Let us pray that many graces flow from God to our diocese as I await God's will. I offer all my sufferings for a true Eucharistic revival in our diocese. Yours, Bishop Peter. So I invite you to join me in asking especially for the intercession of St. Peregrine, of St. Peter the Apostle, and of our Blessed Mother to bring comfort and strength to our dear brother Bishop at this time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this prayer request, along with many others, is available by searching also on our website, realpresenceradio.com, and uh, our prayers continue to go out to Bishop Mewich and to the good people of the Diocese of Rapid City. Well, as we begin our conversations today, 
we have uh, another uh, bishop from within our listening area who is here with us, a neighbor from across the river, the Bishop of the Diocese of Crookston, Bishop Andrew Cousins. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thank you, Father Gross. I'm delighted to be with you, and of course, add my prayers to the prayers of everyone for Bishop Peter in this difficult time for him. Beautiful yes. inspired to, to hear of the way he's offering his sufferings. Absolutely. Yep. As the uh, juxtaposition of the liturgical season of Lent, which he's uh, living out in in a profound way, and uh, people may not realize that there is a region of bishops of which uh, Archbishop Hebda is the Metropolitan, including both Dakotas and Minnesota. So definitely you and uh, Peter Muich over the last couple of years have been um, working within that group and have gotten to know one another uh, even better during this time. Indeed. In fact, I knew uh, Bishop Peter when he was the rector of the cathedral in Duluth, which is where he's from originally. He's just our my neighbor here to the east. Um, right. So he's, been a, he's been a generous priest for many years and now a generous bishop. And so this is heavy news for all of us, especially the bishops in the region. Indeed. Well, um, we are looking at the uh, continued work that's going on with the National Eucharistic Revival and how you have a hand in a lot of things that are happening nationally as well as locally. In fact, we are going to be visiting with uh, a gentleman later on this morning, Bob Noel, um, about uh, the um, the pilgrimage to the National Eucharistic Congress. So just a, a couple of questions uh, before we get into the main topic that we have here today. Um, please... Uh, Tell us a little bit about this uh, Star of the North event that you guys have um, uh, scheduled in the middle of May. Yes, yeah, so um, we, at the national level of the National Eucharistic Revival, which is uh, a, a movement that I chair for the country, for the U.S. bishops, we had this idea of pilgrimages with the Blessed Sacrament from the four sides of the country that would really be an act of intercession and prophetic witness to the country that would really form a cross over our country if you looked at a map. And so we're having four pilgrimages to the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis, and these four pilgrimages will begin two months ahead. So for two months, uh, four different groups will be processing the Blessed Sacrament across the country, praying in intercession and petition and really giving witness to the love that we have for the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. And so those four pilgrimages, one will begin in San Francisco, one will begin in uh, Brownsville, Texas, at the border, one will begin at the tomb of uh, Blessed Michael McGivney in Connecticut, and then the fourth one will begin in the Diocese of Crookston at Lake Itasca State Park, which is the headwaters of the Mississippi. We were looking for a place for the northern route to begin, and that seemed like a worthy one, given the importance of the Mississippi River. And right. so we, in honor of that launch of the pilgrimage, we decided just to have a little mini Eucharistic Congress, and we're inviting everybody in the region to come. So that'll be Friday, May 17th, and Saturday, May 18th, and then the actual kickoff Mass for the pilgrimage will be Sunday, May 19th. Uh, the kickoff Mass will be at Lake Itasca State Park, about 40 miles from Bemidji, but the Congress will be at the Sanford Center Friday night and Saturday in Bemidji. We'll have Bishop Robert Barron, who's another bishop from the region, speaking Friday night. Myself, along with some other speakers like that some people know, like Father Mike Schmitz and Sister Jude Andrew, and a couple of the great speakers. 
certainly Bishop Felton, the Diocese of Duluth, is co-sponsoring this. But actually, all the bishops of Minnesota will be there, and most of the bishops of the region will be there, certainly for the Saturday part of, of the Congress. So it's going to be a great gathering as we have this great privilege of kicking off this pilgrimage, which is going to proceed from us down to the National Eucharistic Congress. What a wonderful event, and even though it's the middle of February, time will go quickly, and, and this will be coming up upon us before we know it. Um, and then also, of course, the National Eucharistic Congress will be held in Indianapolis, the uh, the, the, the terminus of the uh, various pilgrimages from throughout the United States. Um, so let's say that um, if a particular family or, or household is not already on board with, uh, let's say, a pilgrimage that their own parish or a diocese is doing if they want to load up the family truckster so to speak and uh, head to Indianapolis um, is there still time for them to register and to be a part of that event absolutely and uh, what I would encourage you to do if you want to register is to go to your diocese website because I know Diocese of Fargo Diocese of Crookston other dioceses we have um, a, a diocesan pilgrimage that we're making together you can find your own transportation you can come on the bus but you can be part of our group and we have already hotel rooms reserved in Dice of Fargo's in the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm sure other dioceses in the region are as well. So go first to your diocesan website and, and search National Eucharistic Congress and see if there's a group going. Most dioceses have one. But you can always then register at the National Eucharistic Congress website, which is just eucharisticcongress.org. But you don't want to miss this event. It's going to be the chance of a lifetime to gather as a U.S. church to honor our Lord in the Eucharist, to hear some of the most inspirational speakers, and to be together as we are inspired and really set a fire with love for the Lord to be the missionaries that God's calling us to be in our world today. So this mm-hmm. event, I'm convinced, is going to be one of those moments people look back and say, wow, that event really changed the Catholic Church in the United States. It really had an impact. And you want to be there. You don't want to miss it. And also... The idea is for those who will be participating to be fortified, to have the gifts of the Spirit stirred up within them so they can uh, continue to be ambassadors, if you will, of um, uh, the love of the Eucharistic heart of Jesus uh, within the Church. So that is definitely one of the many things that we are looking forward to in the next year. So the the main topic that we want to enter into here is the relationship between confession and the Eucharist. One of the first things I think of is that in bygone days, this is before my personal memory, but uh, early to mid-20th century, according to what a lot of people have told me, that there were uh, very steady lines of penitents on Saturdays um, receiving the Sacrament of Confession, if not weekly, on a pretty regular basis, even if they were not in the custom of receiving Holy Communion on the Lord's Day every Sunday that they came to Mass. And, of course, what we see, unfortunately, in the Church is, is, is a very different trend uh, from that. So uh, go ahead and get us started with um, uh, this this particular topic that you wanted to address today. Yeah, and so it's beautiful in the season of Lent, and actually really important that we re-emphasize the sacrament of confession, and it's really deep role in our spiritual life, the healing power of that sacrament, the, the power that sacrament has to dispose us to receive grace. And really, this is the sacrament that's given to us to deal with our sinfulness, and to be human is to experience our sinfulness, so all of us experience that. And so the Lord, He gives us this particular medicine 
that actually helps us with our sinfulness. And then as, as we grow in freedom from our sinfulness through the sacrament of confession, then we are able to receive more from the Eucharist. So one way to think of it is, you know, um, grace is always falling down upon me like the rain, right? But if I have an umbrella up, I don't get wet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I never receive that grace. And so the sins in my life, certainly grave sins, if they're if they've cut me off from God's grace, what we would call mortal sins that affect the very life of grace in me, which could be any of the you know violations of the Ten Commandments that are direct and intentional. But then the 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 more minor sins, what we call the venial sins, those two they also affect my ability to receive God's grace and God's life in the Eucharist. So there's a deep connection between these two sacraments that really goes back all the way uh, to the beginning. Um, Even Jesus' image for the Eucharist, the vine and the branches, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. And that's the Eucharist is the way we remain in him, right? In fact, Jesus even uses the the very same Greek word St. John uses in John 15, he uses in John 6, he says, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's through the Eucharist that we remain connected to the vine. But if we commit a sin that's grave, like we miss Mass on Sunday, for no good reason, that's a, that's a grave sin, then we, John, St. John says we get disconnected from the vine, and we, we die, and that's the sacrament of confession that brings us and reconnects us back so that we're ready to receive communion. It may also be helpful to mention just some um, Theology 101 terms, uh, at least uh, as I learned it uh, growing up, the distinction between the sacraments of the dead and the sacraments of the livings. In other words, let's say someone is uh, preparing to be confirmed or to uh, get married, that uh, they need to be in a state of grace in order to uh, worthily celebrate those sacraments. And um, Mm -hmm. whereas, uh, you know, as a sacrament of the dead, um, penance uh, being... Um, I think the Catechism calls it the uh, second plank of salvation, you know, after the shipwreck, mm-hmm. which is the loss of baptismal grace. So that distinction may be something a lot of people are not familiar with, with regard to the sacraments themselves. Yeah, and that grace, so confession restores us to life so that we can receive the grace. And we can talk about this more later, but uh, actually we do harm to ourselves if we don't come to the sacraments in a state of grace. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are, there are additional obstacles that are standing in the way between us and, and greater communion with the Lord. So we're just getting started on this topic here. We have Bishop Andrew Cousins with us from the Diocese of Crookston talking about the importance of reconciliation with God and with our brothers and sisters in uh, the Eucharistic revival and living a Eucharistic life. And we'll continue the conversation after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. 
This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and quickly falls asleep, even as their boat is amidst a huge, life-threatening storm. The text says that the sea was literally shaking like an earthquake. Imagine the disciples' fear as they awake, their master saying, Master! Do you not care that we perish? Note that they wouldn't have been in this dangerous situation if they had not gotten in the boat to begin with. They are committed, no matter how big the storm. After setting sail in his boat of radical missionary discipleship, it can often seem that God is asleep or uncaring when we are troubled by the storms of life. The good news is that he is in fact always there and always ready to calm the storm when the time is right. Sometimes the storms are there to show us our total dependence on Him and not on ourselves. Jesus, we trust in you. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. As the new year begins, now is the time to add some predictability to your life by establishing your will and estate plan. More than two-thirds of all adults have no plan. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio. We have some practical tools to help you in preparing your plan. Please visit our plan-giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. It's a matter of just getting started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross joining you solo today from uh, the Diocese of Fargo in our Grand Forks studio as we are embarking on the season of Lent this uh, Thursday is the second full day of the 40-day pilgrimage, and we are visiting with Bishop Andrew Cousins from the Diocese of Crookston, our neighbors to the east, uh, regarding especially the uh, relationship between confession and uh, reception of the Eucharist. Um, and uh, while we were on break, I just mentioned very briefly that uh, to Bishop uh, that one of the stories that keeps coming to mind with regard to the, the power and the importance of confession in one's own life has to do with St. Damien de Wooster, uh, otherwise known as Father Damien of Molokai, the 19th century Belgian priest and missionary to the leper colony of Molokai in Hawaii, the Hawaiian Islands, that um, there were strict rules once he uh, came and lived within that community that um, you know he could not board a ship that was coming in and, and people who were just coming to visit were not allowed to disembark. And so in order to celebrate the sacrament of confession, in order to be a penitent, he basically had to stand on the dock and uh, a few paces away on board the ship would be the the priest uh, confessor and he would essentially have to speak out loud perhaps almost even shouting uh, his confession in order to celebrate that sacrament in front of uh, God and everybody as the phrase goes you know regardless of whoever you know else may be around um, and there are a lot of people who might talk themselves out of that saying you know I can't uh, you know, put myself through that sort of uh, experience, but uh, he humbled himself because he knew how important it was to be forgiven in order to be an instrument of mercy and to be able to uh, celebrate um, the sacred mysteries in a state of grace. So I, I can't help but think of that, uh, you know, her heroic example as uh, as something to guide us. 
Yes, it's a, it's a great example of someone who understood the power of grace, and uh, it's so important for each of us to understand that when you really come to love this sacrament in your life, it, it's such a gift, and so you can't imagine living without it. Right. Now, there are some people who may wonder whether or not there is any sort of, you know, scriptural, uh, biblical basis uh, to what we're talking about here. They may just be thinking about the activity of um, uh, partaking of the Lord's body and blood and and coming together within the community. But uh, St. Paul has something very specific to say about the worthiness of those who would approach the uh, table of the Lord. I believe it's in his first letter to the Corinthians. Could you just... Just share something about that with us, please. Yes, one of the oldest um, texts we have that refers to the celebration of the Eucharist is in that first letter of the Corinthians, which St. Paul wrote in the early 50s, you know, the, like zero, the year 50 itself, you know, right around there. Yeah. And he wrote to the Corinthian community, and he says, you know, tells them, remember what I told you, and he describes the words of institution and how he taught them to celebrate the Eucharist. But then he says, you know, he's heard that there's division in the community, and that the rich aren't sharing with the poor, and yet they're all still going to communion. And he he chastises them for this, because he says, if we eat or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, we will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So this is the, the origin of the Church's teaching, that we should only go to communion if we are, you know, reasonably confident that we're in a state of grace. In other words, if I'm aware of having committed some grave sin, like missing Mass on Sunday, or stealing or lying, whatever it might be, then I, sh- I need to go to confession before coming back to receive the Lord, or as St. Paul says, I'll be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. And St. Paul kind of speaks about it quite seriously. He says, you know, the result of this, they're receiving communion unworthily. He says in verse 30, this is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. He basically said it's going to be bad for you. And this is because we know that receiving communion is really a covenantal act, right? It's, it's me saying to Jesus and to the Trinity, really, you know, here's the Lord says to me, body of Christ, and I, and I say amen, which is a covenantal word, which means, yes, I believe. Yes, I want to live in this covenant with you, Lord. I want to live according to your commandments. Uh, and it also means, yes, I want to give my life for you. And so... Of course, all of us fail in little ways to do that, and the Eucharist itself can help us with those venial sins. But when we fail in grave ways, we should not go back to communion before we go to confession first, or we can actually do harm to ourselves, St. Paul says. Another thing I think that's important to realize is just what we are talking about when we speak about uh, confession and the way in which God grants us his forgiveness, um, that uh, the the scriptures, especially in the Psalms, uh, Psalm 51, have a lot of um, uh, suggestions to the cleansing of the heart of the uh, uh, sinner who confesses and the um, removal of the sin. Whereas, uh, let's say, in the 16th century, uh, in the Protestant Reformation, a lot of those um, most notable reformers were speaking of justification in a more forensic way. In other words, you know, God is choosing not to look 
look upon the sin or is like covering it up uh, with a tarp or something like that but it's still uh, a pile you know that that's underneath but um, uh, we need to continually remind people I think uh, wouldn't you agree Bishop that uh, you know at, at its root is an is a removal of that stain of sin and that's what really brings about that communion and freedom in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there are many powerful graces that come through the sacrament of confession. Every sacrament gives special graces, right? Sacramental graces. Mm-hmm. And certainly the forgiveness of sins happens through the sacrament of confession, but there are also other graces. We receive grace to overcome the particular sins that we confess, right? So just by bringing those sins, if I'm struggling with my temper, if I bring that to the to the Lord in confession, I receive particular grace there. So venial sins, you know, the sins that we commit every day can be forgiven in many different ways. They're forgiven through an act of contrition and through, you know, going to Mass and receiving Holy Communion. But I still, it's worth bringing them to confession because I receive grace to overcome them and to heal me and to repair and to restore. That's what the Sacrament of Confession wants to do. wants to make me new in those places where I have sinned, where I've failed. And, of course, it's meant to be a part, especially in the season of Lent, of a whole life of penance. So penance isn't just something I do uh, to myself to make myself feel bad. It's not what the purpose of it is. Penance is meant to heal me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's remedial. It's meant to, to be a remedy for my sins. So if I'm struggling with spending too much time on my phone, that needs to be healed. I'm going to have the penance of not looking at my phone during certain certain times of Lent or doing that kind of thing. So, and even the penance that I receive in confession is meant to be that kind of way that helps to heal the sins that I have confessed so that I'm more and more disposed to receive the grace that comes to me through the Eucharist, which is where Christ's life comes to me. So you think of it, it's, it's like the resurrection, like I'm brought back to life through confession, I'm healed through confession. Mm-hmm. And then I'm filled with Christ in the Eucharist so that I can live this life of grace more profoundly. Yeah. One of the uh, necessary acts of the penitent when we go to confession, in other words, is to have a firm purpose of amendment, basically a, a, a dread of the sins that we've committed and a desire not to do them again. A lot of people may respond, well, if they have certain um, addictions, you know, within their lives that they're trying to tackle, and, you know, they can't really say that it's full consent of the will, but they know that what they did was, um, you know, sinful and, and harmful, um, it's still important for them uh, to come to confession in those cases because of the uh, the healing and the remedial nature of the grace that God gives to them, correct? Correct, yeah. yeah. So obviously we want to always have the firmest purpose in them that we can, but when we first struggle with an addiction or we have a bad habit, we know we can't promise God absolutely that I'll never commit this sin again, but what I can promise him is that I'll come to confession when I do, because I don't right. want to sin in my life. And actually, the confession becomes part of that intercession to God and openness of heart to Him, so I don't want this in my life, and so I'm going to humble myself and come mm-hmm. to confession again. And I know gradually, over time, Lord, you'll heal me. Yeah. And I think it was St. Augustine who said something to the effect of, I know it comes up in the Office of Readings uh, every year, that if we cannot um, you know, avoid sin, we can at least be displeased with what displeases God, so that we're not 
a cheerleader, so to speak, for uh, the, the sins that kind of entrap us. Um, so let's say that a person who is listening, we just have a couple of minutes here, left here, Bishop, is is thinking, you know, my life is is pretty boring, is pretty mundane. I don't know if there are necessarily whoppers, you know, in my examination of conscience. Is it still um, beneficial for me to come to the sacrament of confession? It absolutely is, because of those graces that help us to grow in love that come even from overcoming our venial sins. The saints went to confession frequently. You know, Mother Teresa went to confession every week to the end of her life. And that's because the closer I draw to God, the more His light shines in my heart, and I see the ways that I don't love like Him. And bringing that to confession is healing and helpful. So usually when people ask me how often I should go to confession, I usually just say it more often. <laughs> right. Yeah, that way, you know, regardless of what their habit may be, um, in a sense, there's something that's kind of haunting them, and they and they think that they should uh, make more use of it than they already do. Yeah, and the priest can also help with this, right? So a good confessor will tell you, you know, you you're fine coming to confession this this kind of interval, given the things that you're struggling with. But the, the real sadness is that 70% of Catholics don't go to confession at all, and most go only once or twice a year. You're never going to receive the fullness of the grace, uh, the life of grace, until regular confession becomes a part of your life. Right, and uh, to, uh, to open that door to reconciliation with the Lord so that we can also be reconciled with others, both that uh, vertical and that horizontal uh, sort of framework. So, Bishop Cousins, we appreciate your time with us. Uh, could we call upon you to offer a blessing to our listeners? Absolutely. May, may the blessing of Almighty God, through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and uh, Blessed Carlo Acutis and St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcias, the patrons of the Eucharistic Revival, may they descend upon you and remain with you forever, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Bishop. And we have a little bit of homework now to try to look up the saints that you invoked here in your blessings. So thank you very <laughs> <That's> much. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks again, and blessings to you and your ministry. Thank you very much. God bless you, Father Gross. Okay, thank you. Well, we're going to step aside for just a moment here, but we will be hopping on to Literary Lane. Nancy and Father Slattery will be joining me. We're going to talk a little Charles Dickens after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. Umary.edu. That's umary.edu. This is Father Bo Braun from the Diocese of Duluth. It's my second year anniversary as a priest today, so I figured it's a good time to talk a little bit about priesthood and my favorite part about being a priest. You know, it's intense because you just think about where the priest stands. The priest stands, he stands in the place of Jesus Christ. He stands in between the people and God. And uh, 
that place is a there's an intensity of life and there's an intensity of love there and uh, you know I was thinking about the I think the best times as a priest are those moments where God lets you feel that intensity you know so the mass I would say is the is the highest point obviously because in the mass it's the his most intense prayer from the son to the father and I'm caught up in the middle of that but yet I, I give all of that love then to the people and uh, all through my, my ordinary and, and very little heart. Hello, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. We're grateful for the support of our small business from listeners in the Fargo-Moorhead area. At Lumen Vision, we offer eye exams, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses from popular brands like Oakley, Ray-Ban, Kate Spade, and Eyes of Faith. Lumen Vision accepts many vision and medical insurances, but you don't need insurance to experience high-quality, affordable, Christ-centered eye care from our team. You can learn more about our mission at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio.